I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Welcome back to Saturday School. Today we're talking about a movie called The Wash by director Michael Toshiyuki Uno, written by Philip Khan Gotanda. The film is from 1988 and it's based on a play that he wrote in 1985 of the same name. And it stars Nobu. No, 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 no. So, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, that wasn't that confusing? Yeah, it was confusing. <laughs> it stars Mako and Nobu McCarthy. And it's at first confusing because Mako's character's name is Nobu. Has that happened in the history of movies where you are calling your lover by your own name? <laughs> I'm sure it's happened before, but yeah. They're an older couple in their 60s. Nobu McCarthy's character and Mako, they're separated. And it's about how they weather their separation, whether they're heading towards divorce or whether they're going to work it out. Nobu McCarthy's character, she starts to explore with a lot of hesitation and tentativeness, like maybe I want to date somebody else now. And she meets Sapsimono's character. And the tagline, if you look at the VHS tape, is falling in love at 18 is magic. Falling in love at 65 is a miracle. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, and it kind of speaks to like making a movie about lovers at 18 is, is all about conjuring magic too. And it seems like a miracle that you can pull off a romance about people in the later part of their lives without it becoming sentimental or relying on obvious things like someone's about to die and making it actually romantic. Yeah, and for both of us, this was our first time watching it. And it was such a delightful surprise. When did you hear about it? First? I'm pretty sure I first heard about The Wash in one of those Asian American compilation movies like The Slanted Screen when they're talking about Mako. And it just looked like this old movie that I would one day return to, but I never did. Largely because it's so hard to find. And it's so hard to find. We found it at various university libraries. I watched it at the UCSD library in the basement with headphones. Are you allowed to check it out? No, I'm not allowed to. Okay, so Pasadena City College, I was allowed to check it out. But it was funny because technically you're only allowed to check it out for three days. But they were like, oh, I'm not going to worry about it. No one else is going to be looking for this. <laughs> Little do they know the power of our podcast. I know. Everybody go to Pasadena City College <laughs> if you're in Southern California. Blow them up. Make them regret letting Ada rent it for more than three days. Otherwise, you're going to have to drive to UCSD. And but you know what? It, it would be worth, worth it. it. It's, it's worth, worth it. it. It's so good. I love that we are sort of wrapping up our season with this because in the beginning of the season, I said that Almost Perfect was the movie where it was the first time I'd ever seen a credible, straight coupling between two Asian Americans. And you were lying. Well, it's the first time you've seen it, but... I was totally wrong. And that's just part of this treasure hunt that we're on. So the title of the film, The Wash, even though they're separated, she still comes and does this wash. So I think it becomes a symbol of not only like this connection that they're not letting go of, but also the type of relationship they had, you know. She's always just done what he's asked of her. And it's like transactional. Like this is the fulfillment of what I have been asked to do. No more dirty clothes? No, already. Have you talked to the kids? Marsha said she stopped by. You know, if you don't see Judy's baby soon, he's gonna be all grown up. No boo. No. 
All right, then. I'm going. But she's perfectly willing to do that if it meant that her husband will start just showing her some affection and making it seem like she's important to him. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do that very delicately. It's not like she walks out. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful the way they do it. She's just waiting for Mako to tell her that she's beautiful and amazing. And then when he does... It's like too hard for him. Yeah, oh, he has too much pride. He's too manly. And you can see like the romance between them, like that flame that just won't go away, but you're just waiting for someone to blow it out. Have you ever tried decaffeinated coffee? Saab's character is gentle and cute. Uh, I don't have any since I moved over here. It's just Sanka. I love it. I love Sanka. I have to drink it all the time. Doctor's order. If you drink coffee, Sadeo, drink Sanka. He does all the things that her husband won't do, like take her fishing. I kind of thought of him as a cowboy because he has this mustache and he's always wearing a hat, but it's actually like a fishing hat, not a cowboy hat. <laughs> but he kind of has that feel to him, don't you think? Like, you totally want to root for that pairing. It's so different than like Mako's character who seems so like... Cranky. Like cranky, housebound, like he's just sitting in his chair all the time complaining. Very prideful and stubborn, but kind of this strong, silent type. Even though you, you, I think we as the audience also really adores the other pairing with Mako too. I think the problem is that their tender moments are always rooted in the past. The past is so interesting in this movie, especially because they were in the camps together. And yeah. you could tell that a lot of their silence, a lot of their like inability to speak is also related to their inability to reconcile what happened with their experiences as young people in the camps. That's kind of the only reason we realize that there is a strong connection between the two of them. Otherwise, you would not understand why she would even be doing his wash, you know? <laughs> and, and they both just totally melt, like, when they, when they start talking about the past. Remember those dances they used to have in the camps? You were a good dancer. You were. Best in all the relocation camps. You couldn't dance at all. You were awful. It's really adorable, and these are the rare times when Mako's character is able to soften up a little bit. The other part of the film is it incorporates the two adult daughters, and that's kind of interesting too, because the older daughter, just trying to get them back together, you know, like this is just a phase. Like, What do you mean be nice to mama? All I'm saying is to just try to be nice to her when she gets here. Say something nice about the way she looks. or I'm always nice to mama. I'm always good to her. Whereas the younger daughters, she's a little bit less forgiving of her father. After all the crap she's taken from him, I hope they do get a divorce. Maybe it's the best thing for both of them. They have relationships too. And then we start seeing how the next generation is trying to grapple with love. And you could tell they're not quite sure about it either. And seeing their parents go through it is also a reminder to them about what kind of lives they want to have, what kind of romantic lives they want to have. Can you imagine spending your whole life with a man who has a vocabulary of a cow? I mean, it drives me nuts. The film is very frank about sex amongst older people who are just starting to fall in love and those who are kind of falling out of love. How do I balance being a nice guy like Sap Sabonis trying to be versus, you know, really trying to step up our relationship? I love that scene where the adult daughter kind of 
drops by in the morning and he realizes that Sadao is there, even though he just slept on the couch. <laughs> and like so so good. I mean it's great comedy, but it's also just so sweet. Perfectly created tension. Yeah. Because Nobu's character, Masi, the mother, is just trying to play it off like everything's natural. Yeah. And then the adult daughter's like, Did you did I just walk in on you? Because the mother's in a robe and her hair's in a towel because she had just gone out of a shower. <laughs> and it is innocent because he just slept on the couch. But um, it's just funny to see they like joke around about like waffles and cholesterol and the two of them giggle at each other and the adult daughter is just so horrified. <laughs> <laughs> you know that they just want to say, well, well, what if he didn't sleep on the couch? Like, would that be bad? They don't want to ruin their relationship with the daughter. I don't know. It's just perfectly done. And yeah, it's one of the high points in the movie. It's just such a great relic of history. It's starring Mako. He was Oscar nominated for um, the Sand Pebbles. Like he was just that guy you would go to when you need an Asian, like him and Pat Morita. He was one of a group of founders of East West Players, which is an Asian American theater in Los Angeles. I think it's the longest running ethnic theater in the United States. He was the artistic director for a really long time. So that's one of his big legacies as well. Philip Kongotanda is another huge name. Oh, and Sab Shimono. I saw him in a play called No No Boy. And he was also in an East-West player show called Wrinkles, where he plays an elder porn star. That's, that's, that's so good. <laughs> we played a short film last year called The Semiotics of Sub that was a compilation of his roles. It's directed by Tina Takamoto. It's a great tribute to him. And Nobu McCarthy in the 50s and the 60s, she was just in everything. A familiar face whenever you needed some kind of like Asian vixen type. But she ended her career as a, as a major actress with films like The Wash, for which I think she was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. Oh, really? Yeah. This film was nominated for, like, best first film at the Independent Spirit Awards. What? Why is it so hard to find? Exactly. So, Andrew on, you just got your uh, Independent Spirit Award. Doesn't mean your movie's going to be around in 30 years. Hey, don't say that. You're going to be famous, <laughs> Andrew on. Yes, you're going to be famous. Save your hard drives. Or make sure Strand saves your hard drives. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of movies like that, right? All these like moments where Asian Americans were supposed to break through. Let's look at us now. The spotlight's on us. That spotlight goes out at some point. And if your film's not in print, then the legacy is just as IMDb entry. Man, so depressing. But now <laughs> there's probably a lot more ways to preserve it. I don't know. I'm a lot more pessimistic about this because I think the only reason a lot of university libraries have these films is because they collect physical discs or physical tapes. As of right now, there isn't any business in collecting files. Oh. And also because these files are not made available. We always say that it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon Prime, but you don't get to actually download those files onto a server that you can share with people 30 years from now. Oh, so what do we do, Brian? Oh, we, <laughs> we gotta pirate, we gotta rip, uh, and we gotta, we gotta innovate. Is that your argument for pirating? Yes, I should make a t-shirt. Pirate, rip, and innovate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a picture of Nobu on it. No, not Nobu, sorry. Picture of Mako. <laughs> you got confused. <laughs> I got confused. Because he plays Nobu. Yeah. That's sort of one thing that we're with the podcast in general, you know, paying tribute to the people who really laid the groundwork for the types of stories that we're able to tell today. And these were the pioneers. And this was a movie that they were able to make later in their lives with all this experience behind them. And it's nice that they were able to make a movie like The Wash.
Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Tallis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. We have a Tiny Letter newsletter you can sign up for to get lecture notes. Tinyletter.com slash Saturday School Podcast. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G. Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. And the podcast Twitter handle is Wake Up Sats School. Next week is the last episode of our season. And your assignment is to watch the 2014 documentary, Limited Partnership. The love story of Filipino-American Richard Adams and his Australian husband, Tony Sullivan. It's going to be an epic ending to our semester on Asian Americans in love. Also, check out the newest podcast that's just been added to our Potluck Podcast Collective. They call us Bruce, where Phil Yu and Jeff Yang catch us up on what's happening in Asian America. Recent conversations have been about Iron Fists and Ghost in the Shell. And speaking of Scarlett Johansson... Even though we're never going to make a t-shirt with the words pirate, rip, and innovate on it, if you do want a cool t-shirt supporting Asian American entertainment, go to the website for Asian AF, the first ever Asian American comedy variety show at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in LA, produced by Will Choi of the Drunk Monk Podcast. The t-shirt says, Scarlett and Emma and Tilda and Matt. Go to AsianAFshow.com to check it out. Class dismissed. See you next week. He was also in an East West Players play where he played like a porn star. Is he a porn star? Did I make that up? (laughs) West Players. Hold on, sorry. Uh, he's an internet sensation. People are being like so coy. He's an internet sensation. For what? For porn? Okay, I'm just going to write Shimono porn. See what comes up. <laughs> oh, God. Good luck with that.